I'll invite you to return to Mark chapter 4 tonight, verses 35 to 41. Mark 4, 35 to 41. Mark's original audience for his gospel was Gentile believers in Rome. Mark was not writing to Jewish Christians. He was writing to Christians who were primarily Gentiles in the territory of Rome. And keep in mind, these were Christians who were already facing abuse and persecution from the Roman government. So for them, the story that we're looking at of Jesus calming this storm, this story is reassurance for them. It assures them that the strong Son of God would go with them into the storm of opposition and trials that they were already facing because of their faith. And the message of these verses is the same today for you and I as followers of Jesus. Listen, we cannot avoid the struggles and hardships of life, but our Lord goes with us into the storm. Amen? Storms are coming, friend. Disease and death. Pain and persecution. Trouble and trials. The storms are coming. That's why the message of these verses is so very, very important. Trust Jesus in the storm. I want to read again these verses that we began to look at this morning. Mark 4, 35-41. I'll invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. On that day, when evening came, He said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Him along with them in the boat, just as He was. And other boats were with Him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Please be seated. As we study this text, we are answering the question, Why should I trust Jesus in the storm? There are five reasons given to us in these verses. We looked at three of them this morning, and I'll recap them just briefly before we look at the final two. The first reason we see here that we should trust Jesus in the storm is that He has a purpose in the storm. We see this in verses 35 and 36. We trust Jesus in the storm because there is a reason for the storm. He has designed them for our good. The second reason we trust Jesus in the storm is because there is peril in the storm. In other words, just because the storms serve God's purpose does not mean they are not real, dangerous storms. Listen, we trust Jesus because storms are hard and we need His help 
to see us through it. To help us endure it. The third reason we saw this morning why we trust Jesus in the storm is because in Him there is peace in the storm. You see, it's through trusting Jesus that you and I are able to experience peace even when everything around us is turmoil. In the middle of the hardship and the difficulty, we can have peace in our very soul that comes through trusting Jesus. So why do we trust Jesus in the storm? Well, because He has a purpose for the storm. Because there is peril in the storm. And because in Him there is peace in the storm. Now, I want to look now at the fourth reason you should trust Jesus in the storm. It keeps you from panic in the storm. It keeps you from panic in the storm. We looked this morning at how the Lord Jesus was at perfect peace in the middle of this raging storm. Well, His peace stands in stark contrast to the disciples who are in a full-blown panic. The wind is driving the waves over the boat, filling the boat with water, and the person in the pilot's seat is fast asleep. Now these guys, some of them were fishermen, and if they feel like they are in trouble, there was probably something to be afraid of. These guys had been in boats before. Their fear was probably not unfounded. It was a scary storm. And they panicked. Now I want to say to you this. Jesus did not expect the disciples to ignore their fear and just lay down and join Him for a nap. No, He didn't expect them to just pretend like it wasn't happening. What they could have done is ask Him, Master, what should we do? They could have said, Master, how should we pray? There are a lot of things that they might, could have done, but they didn't. What did they say? Look at verse 38, the last part of the verse. Jesus is asleep, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Understand, this is a rebuke. They're fussing at him. This is an accusation. You see, we talked this morning about how Jesus sleeping in the storm is a sign that he just trusts God with all of it. But see, they don't see it as a sign that he trusts God. They see it as a sign that he must not care about their safety. I guess you don't care if we're all going to die here, you're just going to lay there and take a nap. The question we have is, why the panic? Why are they so panicked? Well, obviously they're afraid of the storm, but why such fear? Why such panic? Look at verse 40. After Jesus calms the storm, He says to them, Why are you afraid? And here's the key, watch this. Do you still have 
no faith. Why are you afraid? That word afraid means timidly, fearful, cowardly. And this refers to their actions, not about what they're feeling. He's not rebuking them for what they're feeling, but for their actions they were taking. How is it you have no faith? Do you still have no faith? What is faith in this instance? In this situation, faith is the ability to respond to a crisis with trust in Christ. Why can't you trust me? Faith is trust in Christ. What he's pointing out is their problem is a lack of faith. Their problem is they don't trust Him. That's where the panic comes from. The panic is a result of a lack of faith, which is a failure to trust Jesus. Now, I need you to get this with me. The ability to trust Jesus comes from a proper understanding of who Jesus is. You're able to trust Jesus when you really, truly understand who exactly He is. One Bible, one Bible commentator wrote this, If Jesus' ministry is indeed intimately connected with the coming kingdom of God, if Jesus is the Holy One of God, identified as such publicly by demons in the presence of His first disciples, if He is Lord of the Sabbath, and if He is stronger than Satan, then he will not drown in a boat trip that he himself has suggested. The disciples should have known that they would survive the storm on this occasion. Listen, it was their lack of faith in the person of Jesus that caused their fear and panic. And their fear made them question if he really cared for them or not. Now, let's be clear. If they truly trusted Jesus in that moment, they still may have had feelings of fear. It was a very real storm. But they would have acted with confidence in Christ instead of accusing Him. They would not have panicked. Let me ask you a question. You all know the story of David and Goliath. Why didn't David panic when he faced the giant? Everybody else did, even King Saul. Why didn't David panic? I mean, Goliath's nine foot tall. Just the tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds. Was it David's skill as a warrior that kept him from panicking? No, he wasn't a warrior. He was a teenage sheep herder. Was it his size and strength? No, David was kind of a small guy. Especially at this time, he's just a teenager, a youth. Did he have a superior weapon than Goliath? No, all he had was a sling and some stones. He didn't have the armor of Goliath. He didn't have the spears and the swords and the shields. Why didn't David 
panic. He tells us, 1 Samuel 17, verses 37 and 47, it tells us why David didn't panic. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. He didn't panic because he trusted God. When hurricanes sweep through our lives, Jesus may seem indifferent to our suffering. He may seem asleep at the wheel. He may even seem absent. Sometimes people lose their jobs. They lose their health. They lose their friends. And they may feel like Jesus is deliberately ignoring their situation. And maybe they feel like He's not showing any concern for their suffering. They fear, and that fear leads to panic. And that panic leads to the conclusion that God must not care. Can I tell you it's okay to acknowledge your pain? The storm is real and you don't have to pretend that it isn't. But when you panic, you're saying, I'm not sure He really cares. That's what you're saying when you panic. You're doubting His loving care for you. How could you look at the cross and for one minute doubt His loving care for you? But when we panic, that's what we're doing. When you panic, you're saying, I I'm not sure He's able to get me through this. Can I tell you what panic is? In one word, you know what panic is? Unbelief. Why do you panic in the storm? Because you don't believe. Because in that moment, you don't trust Him. What's the remedy for panic? Trust. Trust. I think it was John Wayne that said, uh, courage is not the absence of fear. Right? It's being afraid and saddling up anyway. It doesn't mean we don't ever have feelings of fear, but it means in our actions, we trust Him. We trust Him. And so we don't panic. And we don't start accusing Him of things. I've known some people who talked about being mad at God because of something that happened in their life. And I, mean, I appreciate their honesty that they said, you know, I, I'm, I'm just mad at God because usually it's because a loved one died, someone they were very close to. Can I tell you something? 
for you to be mad at God for even a fraction of a second is an insult to His grace that has sustained you every moment of every day of your life. But that's what happens when we panic. We're not trusting. Why should you trust Jesus? Because that's what keeps you from falling into panic. When you trust Jesus, that panic is replaced by His peace. Trust Jesus because it keeps you from panic in the storm. I want to show you the fifth reason you should trust Jesus in the storm. He has power over the storm. He has power over the storm. Look at verse 39. They woke Jesus up and He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush! Be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. The purpose of verse 39 is to show us that Jesus can do what only God can do. Jesus rebukes the wind the same way we've seen Him already in Mark rebuking these evil spirits when He casts them out. He does the same thing. Look, He commands this storm as if this storm were a person. Hush! Be still. You know what it says literally? Say nothing. Be muzzled. I love that. Say nothing. Be muzzled. The verb tense in this verse indicates that when the wind stopped, it ceased immediately and completely. Without a moment's hesitation, it went from full-blown hurricane to dead calm. You see where it says in verse 39 at the end, it says, it became perfectly calm. Literally, it says, calm, great. Now look back at verse 37. You see where it says, fierce gale of wind. In, in Literally in Greek that says, wind great. He's painting a contrast here. You can't see it in English, but in Greek you can. It goes from wind great to calm great. As, as terrible as the wind was, that's how calm it became. Absolutely, perfectly. Calm. And I want you to catch something. How does this happen? By the authoritative word of Jesus alone. All he does is speak. That reminds you of something? Let there be. And it was. Nothing but a word. Let there be. And it was. Let there be calm. And there was. In the Old Testament, this is a power that is reserved for God alone. Psalm 107, verse 25 to 29. 
for he spoke and raised up a stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Psalm 89 verse 9, you rule the swelling of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. What is Mark trying to tell us in verse 39? Mark is telling us that Jesus has the power and authority that belong to God alone. That's what leaves the disciples so shook. Verse 41, look at it. They became very much afraid. Sometimes we talk about the fear of God in the sense of reverence and respect and awe for God. That's not what this is. This is terror. It said they were afraid when the storm came. Now they're very much afraid. They're even more afraid now that they saw what Jesus did than they were when the storm was raging. Terrified when they saw this man do this. Now think about this. This man has just given orders to the forces of nature and they obeyed him instantly. And that fear drove them to ask one other question. Look what it is. Who then is this that even the sea and the wind obey him? That word then, who then is this? It could be translated therefore. Therefore, in light of what we've just witnessed him do, who must this man be? This man has done something that only God is supposed to be able to do. Who must he be? And when you find the answer to that question, you find the point of this story. The story leads us to answer that question, who must He be? He can do what only God can do. Who must He be? He must be God. You know who he is? He's who Mark has been telling us he is from the very beginning of this book. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark chapter 1, verse 24. He is the Holy One of God. Mark chapter 3, verse 11. He is the Son of God. Mark chapter 5, verse 7. He is the Son of the Most High God. We could go on and on and on. Now I want you to remember something for a minute. I, I told you a little earlier that Mark wrote this gospel for Gentile believers in Rome who were already facing a raging storm of persecution. Listen to what one Bible commentator said. Mark intended to lift the community's eyes from the surging chaos that seems to engulf it and to fix them instead on the vision of the one enthroned in heaven, the monarch omnipotent in every storm. That's what Mark's trying to do. To lift the eyes of his readers 
to see heaven in the Son of God enthroned in glory and to realize who He is. That He is nothing less than God. We see something kind of like this happen in Exodus chapter 14, verse 31. You remember when God parts the Red Sea and He destroys the Egyptian army, drowning Him in the sea? This is what it says in verse 31 of that chapter. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. They saw who God really was and faith was born. They believed. See, that's what Mark is trying to accomplish with this story. He wants you to see who Jesus really is and trust Him. He wants faith to rise up in you as you look on the One who is the Son of God. He wants you to say, what Thomas finally said when he saw the risen Christ. John chapter 20, verse 28. My Lord and my God. That's the confession Mark is trying to bring out of us as we look at the Son of God. My Lord and my God. Why do you trust Jesus in the storm? Because He has power over the storm. How does He have power over the storm? Because He is God. So, what are the storms that threaten our community of faith? This church. What are the storms that threaten us? Is it our size? 35 on a good day. Is it our age? There's only a handful of us in here that aren't old enough to collect retirement. Is it our location? Let's face it. Folks ain't flocking to Society Hill no more. The ones that ain't dying are moving away. What are the storms that threaten us? Is it the increasing godlessness of society in general? Is it the younger generation's abandoning of God in the church? All of those are realities. Those are storms. What do we do in the face of these tornadoes that threaten to demolish the church? Let me tell you what we mustn't do. We mustn't allow fear to paralyze us and drive us to panic. Because I've already told you, panic is a sign that we don't trust Him. We must not allow fear and panic to set in. Here's something else we must not do. We must not question the Lord, doubt the Lord, or accuse the Lord. What must we do? 
We must trust the Lord. We rest in knowing that Jesus is nothing less than the El Shaddai, God Almighty. Can I tell you, we trust that nothing we face now or nothing we will ever face is bigger than He is. We are on this journey with Him and for Him. Amen? We are on this journey with Him and for Him. What does that mean? That means we are safe. You catch that? How could Jesus sleep in that storm? Because He knew He was on a mission with God and for God. And as long as He was on mission with God and for God, He knew He was safe. Let me say it like this. It doesn't matter how hard the wind blows. It doesn't matter how high the waves get. If God is in the boat. Now you ought to write that down. It does not matter how hard the wind blows. It does not matter how high the waves get. If God is in the boat, is He God or is He not? If He's not, let's go home. If He is, Let's trust Him. So how do you do that? Practically, how do you trust Him? I want to try to give you something practical to help you understand what that looks like. I want you to imagine with me for just a minute that you are in the heart of the Amazon jungle. It's the middle of the night. You are absolutely, totally, completely lost. Besides the darkness, there are countless things in the dark that could kill you in a moment. Wild animals, insects, pits. Dangers everywhere. And you're lost. And it's dark. But fortunately for you, there is a native from the jungle who has come to guide you out. Your safety... Getting out of the jungle safely depends on you doing two things. Staying as close to your guide as you can and doing exactly what he says. How do you get through the storm? You stay as close to Jesus as you can and you do exactly what he says. That's what trust in the storm looks like. That's how you get out alive. You stay as close to the Master as you can 
and you do exactly what He tells you to do. I want to tell you tonight, there's no place you can hide from the storms of life. No place to hide. You cannot expect a miraculous intervention to calm all the storms. Storms are part of life from which no one escapes. No one. But you can be assured of God's purpose for the storm. You can be shielded from the peril of the storm. You can have real peace in the storm. You can avoid the panic of the storm. And you can see the Lord's power over the storm. How? By trusting Jesus in the storm. Let's pray.